What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Fudge Mopper. This is the Elder Scrolls Podcast. I'm Scott, here with Michael and Drew, as always. And today, we are tackling the big one. We are doing Imperials versus Stormcloaks. And as far as I'm aware, we're not uh, taking any particular side. It's kind of like, you know, circling around all the different ideas and so on. And we want to basically discuss both sides, the benefits of sides, whether it's like their rhetoric or like culture or even the practical elements. Like we're kind of going to discuss it all, but there'll be a lot of like devil as advocate playing here. Like we don't just want to go like, oh yeah, this side, yeah, they're the right one. They're the good guys or so on because I'm excited to talk about, but everyone, I feel like there's a very dominant um, sort of Imperials are undisputably the good guys and everything's great about them. And it's kind of like picking the best of two bad options rather yeah. than just this sort we're of we're going full season unending mode where we're just sitting yeah. in the middle listening to <laughs> all the good points and bad points for both and we're not 100 yeah. taking sides i mean my foulmore roads yeah. are in the wash so <laughs> can't take their side i suppose they all suck is one of the points we'll be getting to um in in their own way it's just like voting um, in general man you i kind of you know <laughs> pick between the shit i think we could start with maybe some like clarifying things but like we've got to understand these societies are like so far removed from our modern conceptions of of morality and so on and, and like everyone's kind of got this you know idea it's like oh Ulfric's a dictator ooh like all kings are dictators <laughs> what do you think an emperor is you know what i mean like they're like the, it's an empire it's all dictators it's yeah, empires, it wasn't kings, all it, it, even the elder council even the elder council sounds very like corrupt and illuminati anyway yeah. when you look there's limited things like there's that. levels of bureaucracy all around like you know you could think of like the dark elves um and their councils and so on or like the elder council or so on like obviously there's variations but at the end of the day the emperor's in charge the king's in charge the yarl or whatever or whoever they um uh you know uh, in service to or, or vassal of like, if we're taking it all the way back, both of the factions we're talking about today don't necessarily have an innate right to the place they're fighting for. You know, like mm. the Nords, you know, they've obviously been in Skyrim uh, a lot longer than the Imperials would have been in Skyrim. But even they, you know, they, they took Skyrim from some bloody stuff. You know, mm. that is Grimoire guy. He, he had a bit of blood on his hands. Mm. Um, so, mm. you know, there's there's a lot of mess to go through i mean I, I i suppose a good thing to get out of the way early on is the whole idea of the storm cloaks and how obviously um many of them are xenophobic and and racist types and you know obviously we're not justifying that or saying that's good however i think what a lot of people miss is that so is the empire in terms of their actions maybe not the philosophy that they promote uh but at the end of the day they are you know, a bit of like a culture-destroying machine, like, you know, a big empire, like a colonial, a colonialist, right? Well, on the topic of, like, colonialism and imperialism, that, I was thinking about that a bit, and, like, obviously the kind of Monty Python meme comes up when it's like, oh, what have the Romans done for us? And then you you list off all these amazing <laughs> things they've done, you know, like, on top of all the bloodshed. Um, but then in the Elder Scrolls universe, it's a bit different because... There aren't really technological advancements. You can't be like, oh, they gave us irrigation and medicine and education. You know, that you can't really give them many benefits. Like when it comes to their imperialism, you could maybe make the argument that in Black Marsh, oh, they built roads, they tried to establish trade routes, but in the end, it all failed. The Argonians didn't want it in the first place, and then it just became a prison state. I suppose at the end of the day, you have to think like what's worse and obviously both are bad but on one hand you have you know mistreatment of certain people like especially you see that in Windhelm with the Dark Elves and the Argonians or on the other hand going into another province that you know isn't your province with massive force and kind of saying this is how we do things and kind of you have to do things how we do things as well which is what the Empire has been doing for a very long time. I mean, there's all kinds of characters you can meet in the Elder Scrolls. Like, I remember making the video on the Whodunit quest, you know, the m murder house party quest in Oblivion. And there's the Dark Elf there, um, Davisi Dran. And she talks about Neville, who is a retired Imperial soldier. And she basically says, like, I hate the Legion and everything it stands for. When those soldiers came to Morrowind, they persecuted my people and stole our lands. Um, Neville may not be in the Legion anymore, but who knows what atrocities he committed. So, my point is, they're all bad guys, in a way. Yeah, like, it's kind of, like, to clarify, obviously, racism's a very bad thing. But to believe that 
racism is exclusive to like just the dark elves or the storm cloaks is so naive oh the dark elves are some of the most yeah well to top people. it off actually yeah, in terms of his Here's a point on the on the empire, actually. But the empire, as it is right now, is facilitating one of the most racist and xenophobic um, cultures in the world through via the Thalmor. They are, you know, yeah. in alliance with them, literally letting them walk around their um, their land, and as Justicia's essentially like a Gestapo force trying to come in and um, you know take Talos worshippers and so on, torture them, kill them, and so on. They'll just murder you yeah. if you tell them that you're a Talos worshipper. If you go in Skyrim to one of the patrols and say, I'll worship whoever they want, it's a. It's but the a point fight. there is, it's like, so if you're using the, the point that, like, Ulfric is racist, which is, of course, true, you can't. You've got to look at how the Empire is also facilitating the same thing. You know what I mean? It's like, because you can't use that. If, it's like almost like if everyone's racist, then it's hard to use. There's obviously varying degrees, but it's hard to use that as your one and sole barometer of how you're going to judge each faction. You've got to take yeah. a more complex view of and, it. And I, I suppose we should obviously specify for those in the audience, like obviously we're aware that it is uh, a different, you know, you've got racism, aka we don't like the elves and then you've got you know anti-freedom of religion which isn't as much racism but it's it's, it's just anti-culture yeah like for it's someone. persecuting a, a way of thinking a way of life tradition it's it's discrimination i guess that's the word we should be using and on the racism um, topic to throw a bone to the nords as well like this wasn't really ulfric's doing but um after the red year the the high king of skyrim decided to cede all of Skyrim's claim to Solstheim so that um, refugee Dunmer would have a place to go as well, which is which is kind of good. Like, it, there's there's political reasons to do it as well because it, it stops you looking bad if they take it by force and you look weak or whatever. But at the same time, it's like there were steps made to help the Dunmer. And honestly, I think it's the Stormcloak's biggest mistake is being xenophobic towards the Dunmer because... They're in, a, they're in a time of need more than ever really in their past. And now would be a great time to make an alliance with them, to have them on your side, to do them favors. So then when they regain their power, you've got a really powerful ally. But mm, I mean, that's that's one of the, I guess, the cons of, of the Stormcloaks is it, it becomes hard to have a, a united people when you do discriminate against, you know, a certain percentage of the population that could otherwise you know be a part of it and be useful for your mm. cause um which is where the empire shines right because they'll accept anyone but that's not to say that they all respect mm. anyone yes i know canon fodder no sure. not just that i it, uh. it's not not that i just that like who makes up the imperial council i guarantee it's majority imperials or bretons or humans like of where course. are all the khajiit nargonian stuff down in leowen in the poorest but, slums and stuff like it's it's very yeah. there, there's these guys of it's not comparable to 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 call like the empire some sort of you know big They're multicultural not. kumbaya sort of system it is purely of practical and advantageous however and... they they do they can have like a dark elf empress like these things are possible mm. and um they would never happen yeah, in course. a stormcloak skyrim i guess is my point well, like the severity it's this we should also this classify there that we are talking about two very different organizations one of them is like i guess in modern terms like a an international it's funny to say international empire and the other is a coalition of king essentially kings yarls in the eastern um, eastern skyrim like these are very different sized organizations in terms of scope and 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 um, also the way they function because one, one, like the Stormcloak's Rebellion is essentially a an alliance of Eastern Skyrim who want to, you know, liberate um, the Western Skyrim and then have their own right to like choose their own High King. And let's not beat around the bush. That's Ulfric. It's very clearly mm. Ulfric. It's a very like populist sort of situation and there. But mm -hmm. it's really easy to be it, from from Skyrim's perspective. You know the 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 political situation during the time of the civil war it's really easy to kind of see the empire in a very positive light because they're kind of they're slightly weak at this at this point they're they're essentially trying to i don't know they're trying to be the good guys they're trying to be diplomatic and all that you when you think of them you think of a diplomatic uh, group but then if you look back in time a little bit you know when tiber septim was around and the tiber wars happened <laughs> you know what happened if you had a place that didn't want to be part of your empire what if you have somerset who are like yeah no leave us alone oh well, then you whip out the numidium and just crush their cities and destroy them and subjugate yeah. them and bring them under your control by force so it's like if we had a game set there 
we wouldn't love the Imperials, probably. <laughs> I think from our, like, modern perspective, like, you know, in our real world, we can look at most empires and be like, yeah, that's a bad thing. Like, the idea of um, going into somewhere, slaughtering a place until you have control of it, right? So, like, in its inception, the empire is not a good... It's not necessarily... What I'm saying is it doesn't stand on this sort of, like, moral good. I think the reason people think the Empire is so good in the Elder Scrolls is generally because you're on the side of the Empire in most of the games. Until Skyrim... And they're cool. They, yeah, they they're cool. cool. They have the cool yeah, factor. Yeah. Like, there are cool elements about... I mean, there's you could say that about any faction, but, you know, you, you get put through this heroic Empire experience, you know? And they were... F- where you really feel like... Sorry. Sorry, go on. Oh, I was just saying, you feel like you're fighting for something good, you know? You're solving the oblivion crisis or you know whatever it is you're and doing and they were like you know the empire back in the f- early first era they were founded on really positive principles as well you know you've got this elysian slave rebellion against the elves who clearly had too much you know it, it is the aliens but they had too much power and there needed to be a revolution and when there was elysia tried to integrate all aspects of society be it elven or human and make something that worked together but obviously time passes being the emperor is pretty appealing. You get people fighting over it and warring, and tons of people dying. And then, well, you know, also we don't want to, we don't want to go like in terms of like imperial roots. It's it's the first empire, so not so much. But they turned into one of the most xenophobic, zealous bunch of people. They became like mm. where where the Elysian order became um, inseparable from the empire. And you know, they they were um, carried out slaughters um, of all these elves and all that kind of stuff. Absolute like this, power this, corrupts absolutely. Yeah, well, there's big problems, and arguably, even you can look at you know, if you want to talk about just its like principle and like, its inception, like Tiber Septum, and there's the whole like Arcturian heresy and all of the like things that went on around there in its inception. But, um, you know, the Septum Empire was not, um, period throughout the Third Era, was not just some this indisputably peaceful, better area. Like, you look at some of the horrific civil wars, like the War of the Red Diamond, which, um, which happened, and you have all of these different, um, you know, there's always problems with succession and so on. And it, it's, like, not really, like, our concern, but, like, an empire is dependent on expansion. And that's how they fund these great big legions and armies and so on, because they need their legions, they need to be doing something, you know? So they send them off to other countries and provinces to class. And when and when they did run out of civil wars and stuff to do, and when they did get to some piece, uh, periods of time of union, um, they went over to places like Akavir. And then they started, Uriel V started the invasion of Akavir to do so, which is just further expansion and so on. And you might go like, oh, well, Akavir, snake people, whatever. But you are going to a foreign place and you're just trying to conquer unprovoked, just going to... Well, you could go like, well, they've I think, I think that's before, the, but, you know. I think it doesn't help, too, that a lot of the Stormcloaks and Nords in general are the pale skin, blonde hair, blue-eyed types. Hmm. So it almost feels a bit strange to think of them as being, I suppose, persecuted. Yeah. But the reality is their culture kind of is. I mean, especially like what you see in Windhelm, you see a lot of discrimination done by them um, as well. This is a bit of a, a side thing, but I was just thinking about this before the podcast. Why are the Argonians there? I don't mean that in like a rude way, as in like, go away, but like, wouldn't they have a much better life somewhere? Like I, if I was an Argonian, you, will, you, you know I love Argonians. <laughs> My, my egg brothers too and much. sisters. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was an Argonian, right, I would leave. Mm. There are so many better places Wait. for an Argonian to be. I mean, you have an entire province. Of course, if you were born outside of Black Marsh, you might say you don't really relate to it. But I would rather go to Black Marsh and try and relate to it and live in this swamp where, you know, there's culture and I feel like I belong and I'm respected um, and, you know, I, I feel safe. Versus working on the docks and complaining that I get paid a tenth of what a Nord gets paid to do the same thing. And the I just don't understand from from their perspective why why they choose to stay mm. there. I, I don't and know. that's like pretty clear in the creation stories as well. Like the Anuad very very much makes it clear that the corner of Tamriel that belongs to the Hiss, the the Black Marsh, is so alien to everything else. And like the idea of people from Black Marsh fitting in anywhere else kind of has never been suggested that it would ever really work properly. Yeah, unless you're born so far outside of it, because then when you return, Black Marsh is alien to mm-hmm. you. 
Um, but but still, I mean, I'd rather live in Cyrodiil. I don't know. I just there's there's so many other places that I would well, rather. Well, to be. pull it back on track a little bit about Empire yeah, yeah, Stormcloaks, yeah. I was thinking yeah, we should yeah. maybe like talk about some like uh, like maybe we should just try and get through some of the sort of fundamental things and like divide it up a little bit because obviously there is sort of the uh, economic and like uh, practical reasons, and then there is all sort of like just their rhetoric and like philosophy and like what they sort of practice and preach. And like on one side, you've got Ulfric and the Stormcloak Rebellion is very pro-Nord. It is very about the Nords, and it's about Nords for you know Skyrim's for the Nords. It's a very they it's they want to you know rule themselves. They don't want the Empire. They don't want influence of the Thalmor via the Empire, which by the way is a very very valid thing. I think people often um, you know misunderstand that or sort of push that aside. But like imagine being someone you know who does like worship Talos or whatever in in Skyrim or you know someone that does and then all of a sudden secret police knock knock bang I'm going to take you away and torture you in a fort until I mean I think an easy way to think about it is just imagine uh, an activity you like being taken away and I know this will sound almost comical but <laughs> but imagine if some force was was you know put in where you live and they said you can't took play your games Xbox. anymore what, we, what if your, your mum took your xbox what links <laughs> would you yeah, be yeah, going yeah. to go <laughs> <laughs> no but but seriously like just imagine like things like this or they say no no internet yeah at all in any capacity and you just have to cop yeah. it and like you wouldn't be happy about and it's it a, I know it sounds funny. Yeah, but, it's yeah. a thing with empires in general, but especially with the Nords who have always kind of been, even when they're part of the empire, they've always been more like unified with them in that they've always supported each other. And the empire has relied on the Nords a lot, just as much as, you know, uh, anyone would rely on the empire. But um, hmm. yeah, like, so, so the idea is that the unity is like, the Empire should then protect your values. If you're going to be a part of their organization, you're going to be strong together you got to protect the values of the places well, that you go, whereas they're not doing that anymore. Yeah, they're let's not, not protecting Talos worship. So what's the benefit of having a weak empire in charge of you? Well, could, could I just could I just hop in yeah. first and say one of the downsides about the um, about being part of the empire anyway, as you saw in the Great War, is that when they need to protect themselves, the heartland, Cyrodiil, they will pull forces out of your province. Mm -hmm. So you don't even have... Uh, like a guarantee that they will protect you because the second that you know their province is on the line that they care about more they will yeah. you know take their defense away from you and in that defense is there almost in place of your mm -hmm. own like if the stormcloaks existed the stormcloaks wouldn't be pulled out to to help mm. you know Cyrodiil because they're the stormcloaks but the empire they can be commanded if they're in hammerfell if they're in high rock skyrim they can just be pulled and like, out also like the nords have been if we, while we we're talking about like erasure of culture and uh, we, we were talking about that before but yeah, they've yeah. become increasingly imperialized and they're to the point where talos which is an imperial god really is their most <laughs> yeah, important yeah. thing which you can argue the law reasons for that or whatnot it should it should be but sure. anyway the point the point is they are just actually fighting to worship an imperial god of the empire yep. that they you know feel a part of and so on and the god who started the empire yeah and one thing i want to quickly address um it leans a little bit more into the practical side but everyone's got this real like oh but you know they, they've just got to cop it and just take the you know worship and secret or not at all until the empire is strong and does something about it which it's is 25 years extent. Nearly my entire life worth of time, Justicius have been patrolling through Skyrim and, and lands of Tamriel, locking up Talos worshippers. Like, how much, how long do you think is reasonable to wait? Mm. And how fair is here's, that? Here's, here's some perspective that everyone in the audience should relate to, I suppose, with lockdowns. But, I mean, you see how angry and upset people get with, with you know, oh, just another mm. week or two weeks or we're going to do a month lockdown or whatever. 25 years yeah. <laughs> like, but it, it, it's completely you know? re i don't think it's reasonable to go oh well you know they've just got to wait you know 50 by years their by time. their time until it's there it's like the interest of all of these individuals the, the farmer who had mm. their husband kidnapped and, and and tortured and killed does not care about the empire's larger goals they o want also consider so go so I yeah no i i i agree i was just going to say consider too that men don't live as long as elves mm. so playing the long game in that same way doesn't work mm. for them some people it, you know, if you were 40 and then you're 65, you've spent, you know, the rest of your life essentially, and then you die at some point, mm. not worshipping your God. Now, obviously, we know a lot of uh, Imperials are Nords and they do worship Talos 
just in secret. Mm. Um, so there, there is that view of Obvious, it. Yeah. But you, you can feel how you're, you would feel very like culturally oppressed. It, being it seems like the Red Guards and the Nords both kind of came to this conclusion at similar times, realizing that, wow, okay, so when you've got an empire, it kind of weakens all of the sovereign nations, all of the sovereign provinces, because then you've got this as you said earlier, um, they can pull out their troops at any time. You're like, oh, crap, we didn't really prepare to protect ourselves. And now that the empire is too weak to look after its vassal states, Hammerfell are like, oh, well, we're going to do our own thing. We've got to protect our own interests. And that's mm. fine. We expect them to do that because Hammerfell, were, uh, the Red Guards were getting absolutely screwed by the White Gold Concorder. And then obviously they pulled out they fought on on their own and then they got a much better deal with the um with the old mary dominion and really when you think about it from not a gameplay perspective because we didn't see it in game you're like well yeah why wouldn't they do that that makes total sense for them but the stormcloaks are kind of now doing the same thing and if it wasn't for really if it wasn't for some of their xenophobic attitudes that it's really hard to question why they would do it mm. and then You've got Ulfric as well, who's kind of got his own personal motivations to push this into action. But obviously the people got behind him, or a lot of the people have gotten behind him. So there's obviously something there beyond his personal gripes. Mm. I feel like some hybrid force would be the best. Obviously, like it may never come to fruition because um, the incentive might not be there. But it would be interesting, you know, if Skyrim had some Stormcloak type force of guards who were respected by the empire and kind of just there obviously this isn't compatible with the white gold concorder i'm just speaking more in, in general terms so then if empire forces are pulled out of skyrim they don't have to take kind of like well you know, that that's a, a crux of guards who can stay behind that's where the falmor i think really nailed it is because they with the Empire's weakness, they really made it seem like they were in an incredibly strong position and had a, a throttle on, on the Empire. But things weren't fantastic for them. Had, had, had the Nords and the Empire and maybe High Rock stuck together and, you know, maybe like worked alongside Hammerfell, the old Merry Dominion would be at an impasse. They wouldn't really be able to continue, you know, if the idea is that they're trying to conquer all of Tamriel they'd kind of run out of places to go. But the Falmore are really benefiting from the fact that the Empire and the Stormcloaks are fighting. So they can work elsewhere, let them fight it out, be distracted. You know, I think there's there's literally a quote saying that they want Skyrim divided and distracted. And this yeah, just gives yeah. them time to kind of wrap around. And when they, when they eventually do want to take Skyrim, if that's what they're working towards, it's going to be a lot easier mm. after all of this. Yeah, well, there's this idea that both sides, too, are kind of, like, biding their time and preparing. Like, even the Empire, uh, the idea you get from Tullius and Rike and others is that, you know, they're kind of preparing. And they don't trust the Thalmor. Tullius mm. says he doesn't trust the Thalmor. He, he, they're uneasy about the Alliance, but it's almost like, you know, if two people were having a fight and they were both just completely, like, gassed and you're like, you know what? Let's both take a breather yeah, <laughs> and we'll come back and fight when we're ready. It's interesting that Thalmor actually refer to the Great War as, um, I think, the first Great War. Almost like they know there's a second one coming. Mm -hmm. You, you yeah. know, it's like the, the World War. You wouldn't be like, oh, the first World War if you were living yeah. then. It would just be the, the World yeah. War. So it, it is interesting. Mm. All, and I do like, though, that a lot of um, Nords tend to actually side with the empire still because i will just dispel there's this idea that the stormcloaks kind of have this massive home advantage and that you know to defend skyrim the empire is not aware of you know the home territory and the terrain and all this and it's like yeah they are like a lot of imperials um as in the legion are nords mm. from skyrim who fought in the great war and have lived their whole life in skyrim like you know, they, they definitely do understand Skyrim. Tullius may not understand the culture necessarily in the same way, but he hasn't been there for long. And let's give credit where credit's due. Tullius was there, according to Hadvar at least, for a few months. And by the time Skyrim takes place, he's already captured the leader, Ulfric, and has him on a cart on his way to be executed. And according to Hadvar, he didn't even put up that much of a fight, like so much for honor type thing. Um... And if it wasn't for Alduin coming to save the day, Tolius would have put down this rebellion in three months. Yeah, it's pretty interesting too. I think it's a good point at, 
actually a perfect time to talk about um, the Ulfric, uh, the, the dossier, the Thalmor dossier on Ulfric, because people, I think, misinterpret yeah, yeah. this a lot. But one of the things there, the Thalmor say as a note, is like they they were there. They wanted to intervene and stop the execution happening because that was against their interests. They liked the civil war continuing and so on. And they just really lucked out with Alduin's appearance. But um, one of the things people, I think, misinterpret because they see um, the words asset, they kind of tend to think like agent or secret agent. Like, like it's spy, an asset yeah. to them in the way that him functioning and and you know leading this rebellion is an is, is an asset to them. It's not like this sort of um like secret agent that like Ulfric, you secretly want to help the Thalmor or so on. He's been tricked and manipulated. Like in in the prisons, he was led to believe the information he gave up after being tortured was critical for destroying the Imperial City or sorry taking it over. But it was actually it already fell. But you know, he is very much like he's wrapped up in all of his like, you know, pro-nor like kind of stuff. He's not some secret Thalmor agent. It's just beneficial for the Thalmor in their assessment. Yeah, and, and they could see that they strategically created this kind of like guilt-ridden person, mm. you know, by telling him that it's his fault. You know, he was incredibly pro-Empire and he was obviously a lot younger when he fought in the Great War. Yeah, and that... Um, and so obviously you would give up secrets being tortured, but he would have felt terrible about it, especially because, you know, Nords and their sense of honor and pride, but obviously, you know, magical torture and things like this, obviously you can break someone eventually and they will give up secrets. And now you can almost imagine that he just really, really hates the empire, but from that different perspective that no one else knows as well. Mm. The, the guilt yeah. it's like it's a... like the perfect storm as well because the the empire you know you can't even blame the family for everything because the empire actively betrayed him essentially you know i like it's not the empire as a whole but you've got this jarl of markarth who the reach men who are kind of operating all this time as well they want their own land back to the they want it to be their own land so they they try to take markarth and the Jarl is like, oh, well, crap, I, I want to keep this. I want to continue well, to rule this place. So let's get Ulfric um, to come in, deal with all of the, you know, get his hands dirty for us. And we'll promise him Talos worship. But we know we can't deliver on this promise. And then, you know, mm. oh, wow, he now hates you. That's that's odd, isn't it? Yeah, because like, yeah, the force when he literally took Mark Markarth would be like reach controlled without the intervention of Ulfric and his... You know, his Stormcloak well, suits militia. They had like, two peaceful years. Yeah. So then he, they, they took... Yeah. But um, in that, like, yeah, they've been... And Ulfric's, by the way, too, his rebellion only started recently. He'd been continuing on and so on because he actually spent time in Imperial Jail, had to deliver a eulogy for his father's mm. death and stuff from prison and so on. And then when he was released, he came out and he became Jarl. But he's been running, like, peacefully for a while with, with things. Like, it hasn't... This rebellion's a very recent thing. Since he challenged... Um, Torek, which to be fair, even if you forget the whole murder part of it, because it, it is, it's, I think the more convincing things there, it's pretty clear that he did challenge him. However, the challenge may as well have been murder. He had the Thorm, he had the sword, he was an advanced yeah. warrior and Torek was a young boy or so on. So you can kind of, it's like that, like technically, but like, what was Torek going to do? Like, you know, you know, show he's weak and not accept a challenge in their old uh, customs. Especially and- because it's, it's not even just that, like, think about the afterlife too. Like, I mean, we don't know all the ins and outs, like a checklist of what gets you into Sovngarde and what doesn't. But, you know, it would have seemed pretty dishonorable for Torig to turn down the challenge. Mm. So it's, you know, like you said, he's pretty much just saying, like, you're going to die. Um, and Torig has to be like, okay. And you do meet um, Torig in Sovngarde. Mm. Um, there's actually a quote he has about Ulfric. Um, he says, when Ulfric Stormcloak with savage shout sent me here, which interestingly aligns with the idea that he was killed with a shout. You know how people say he was like torn yeah. to pieces with a shout. My sole regret was fair Elisif, left forlorn and weeping. I faced him fearlessly, my fate inescapable, yet my honor is unstained. Can Ulfric say the same? Yeah. That's the thing. I think you you can argue whether it was a misstep from Ulfric because you do hear from like Sybil Stentor and other people that Torig was a big fan of Ulfric and would probably yeah. have given him what he wanted. But I was thinking about it, and I think for Ulfric, it was kind of an optical win because not, like, not only would he kind of develop his own claim to be the High King, but if he's, if he's spouting all of this stuff about the true sons and daughters of Skyrim, like embracing tradition and worshipping our gods, then 
bringing up this ancient custom of dueling and showing your might to rule mm. very much aligns with everything else that he's been doing. Whereas if he just goes to the negotiating table with Torig, it may have actually mm. helped his cause, but he wouldn't have seemed like such a great warrior to his I followers. It, I think it's pretty good to establish too, is that like Ulfric is clearly like an egomaniac, right? He wants to be High King and all the Nords and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but just because there is an egomaniac at the head of, and you know, he's the face of it. It doesn't uh, dismiss or disqualify all of the grievances that like people part of the rebellion may have. It's not necessarily yeah, just exactly. like, it's a face. Like for example, you know, the Gestapo Thelmor going around secret police style is really um, bad and affects their lives. You know, the ability for them to not worship Talos and so on, the ability, and you know, and even strains on the empire, like you were talking before, but imagine being sent off to fight the Thalmor. It's like, yeah, protect the empire. And now you can't even worship, you know, imperial gods, how you, how you were used to doing. And it's, mm. it's, it, they, you know. they would be incredibly, incredibly peeved. Like, for example, I think no one, I think no one um, has a problem with the Red Guards who, who fight the Thalmor and have got their own sovereignty and most people are generally approving of that um, yet when it comes to the Nords it's only because it's um, you know obviously they've got to push off the empire to do that and then in comes the practical reasonings well oh you know you've got to hold a strengthened empire together but you know you might actually also come to the conclusion potentially that like look the empire is like pretty dying out anyway in ways like they've been slowly receding and failing for for a long time even before the great war happened and the great war happens mm. and then at that too like even if you want to talk about other things like you know whether their justification or so on the Mead dynasty was just started by a warlord who won it's simple as that like there's no yeah. there is no sort of like um you know religious element to, to support their claim anymore with no more it, it would be interesting to know what Tiber Septim or Talos would actually think of the Empire in its current mm. form. You know, in, in Morrowind, there is this, like, uh, avatar of Talos called Wolf, this Imperial warrior. And he has an interesting quote, which I actually quite like, because it can kind of reflect onto the, the whole situation. But he says, um, The Emperor is getting old. Don't know how much longer he'll hang on. So is the whole empire for that matter, getting old that is. The emperor and the legions have held the empire together for hundreds of years. It's been a good thing by and large, but maybe it's time for a change. Time for something young and new. What? No idea. Because I'm old. Old dog doesn't get new ideas, but maybe young folks like you should try some new ideas. I don't know. Could be messy, but change is never pretty. Mm. Ooh, interesting. Well, I, I guess we're kind of already on the practical side of things so we could maybe discuss this a little bit more but like one of the main uh like points of contention is people want to argue how much like whether skyrim could stand on its own or whether once the pale pass is cleared that the empire will just come in and take over everything so there is there is this note so there's fort newgrad is this place it's just run by bandits but depending on which side of the civil war you you choose and win the area for the stormcloaks or imperials come in and then there's so changes some of the stuff in the environment and if the stormcloaks win there's a stormcloak missive and the part i want to talk about says but now i have word of a new imperial force assembling in the south ready to advance on our position as pale pass is clear send re reinforcements or all our gains will be for naught but to me i think i think people kind of go like oh you know hands down they they're gonna lose if the if the imperial reinforcements come but the whole like idea that they could even send reinforcements and all our gains are for naught kind of thing i feel like they could hold that land potentially like skyrim is a very mountainous sort of region where it's, it would be hard to move you know huge swaths of army and supplies and stuff that that kind of stuff like in real life has been and can be leveraged to create like he's not to get this sounds like get too political but like you know afghanistan and stuff recently it's why that's a massive problem it's this mountainous inhospitable terrain it's very hard to actually exercise proper real control over things in a similar way perhaps it could do the same. Like, for example, the Yarls are all native. So they've they've got their own, like, localized kingdoms or control. But those have traditionally, like, bent the knee to Tiber Sept or Talos or so on and cooperated. But if they decide not to, mm. um, it's not, like, entirely possible that they could just have some... There could be this Skyrim that is independent, that is able to defend itself. I don't think in some giant all-scale war with the Thalmor. But in the same way that the the, mm. the Red Guards were able to leverage their ter their terrain and, you know their fighting spirit and whatnot, they were able to stop the Thalmor from taking their land. I'd, I'd almost yeah. picture it like the Eastern Front. You know, I'm not there's no allegory there. I'm not comparing any groups to Nazis or, or Stalin or anything, but like simply the German armies 
having a lot of momentum, being the superior army in this battle or this series of battles. But then the land just takes its toll and a, a, an army that's more disorganized can end up just completely routing you and and causing you to, you know, retreat back to familiar land. And I feel like that would happen mm. in Skyrim if you couldn't get them to come to the negotiating table. Yeah, it's more... I, I, think, I think people forget too that it's not like... Uh for Stormcloak victory to go ahead, that they have to then take Cyrodiil, now take the Somerset Isles and march all the way to Alinor, killing all elves in our way. Like, they can just take Skyrim and live in Skyrim and defend Skyrim. It's a lot easier to defend from that kind of province mm. than it is, nor do they even need to, to go on and take other provinces. And it's actually interesting, but if you take the other side at Fort Newgrad, uh, the Imperial Missive is there instead. Mm. And it says pale passes all but closed due to avalanches in the mountains. We need more support or our garrison will not withstand another attack. Now, we don't actually... And this is why these debates go on and why if you were watching this podcast hoping to end up with some solid 100% outcome, you're going to be disappointed um, because there is a lot of interpretation. And I mean, that's what makes it interesting. That's what makes it fun. So we don't know the size of the Imperial forces that are on the other side. They, they could have massive amounts to just send through and just clean up Skyrim easily if they want to. Or it could be much mm. smaller. We just we just don't know. Yeah. yeah. We just don't. I just... Um, yeah, it, it's one of those things. It's just one... It's I think... The, at least the way I'm approaching a lot of this, like, sort of question and so on is I think a lot of people approach the Stormcloaks as... It's like, case closed... There's nothing redeemable about them. They're the bad guys and they wouldn't be able to win or withstand anything anyway. And I just think both mm -hmm. of those are highly debatable and it's not as clear. And the e Empire is not this holy sort of or great kind of thing from a, from a both moral and even a practical perspective. Like, um, yeah. And considering... Mm. I mean, the, the... Go on. So I was just going to say, the um, on the Empire's side, like if I were to pick which one would be stronger i probably would side with a like a reunified empire but i agree with you in the sense that it's not black and white it's not even like 70 30 it's like you just don't know yeah um i think the empire has a lot more experience at governing lands mm. um i mean obviously yeah. but it's empire um, too in in that uh like you know this is the thing an empire is by the, is a is almost like a collection of, of like you know, foreign lands and so on under one ruler, whereas those individual lands can have their own interests, even like, you know, the kingdoms of High Rock currently are under the empire, but they too could have similar concerns and so on. And most of them, I think the reason people do, and even when there are um, conquesting groups, uh, conquesting empires that come into a land, the ones, the natives that generally end up siding with them, it's usually from a practical perspective, like, you know, look at the things we can get, the trade we can get, the security you can get. And those things are all arguably true. Like they're, very like they can be good things but you know like if you play the Elder Scrolls Adventures Red Guard it wasn't it wasn't a pleasant experience so the Red Guard's getting taken over by Tiber Septum mm. um, you know it's um, it's a complex it, issue it, yeah and I'll say it's also a shame that the the Nords have kind of been diminished somewhat in the lore over time especially with the whole kind of like dragons retcon and 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 shouting and things like that because when you hear about all of the old legends of nords and fighting against you know dark elves or you know orcs or whatever it may be all the enemies that nords have had they had tongues and you know like they could like blow down siege walls with shouts and things like that and and imagining those kinds of nords defending skyrim from you know an old miri dominion invasion makes you think like wow that like you know they could have a chance and and that's how you look at all law right like oh well if this group was so much more powerful then they would have just taken over everywhere but they mm -hmm. didn't so obviously they weren't like you know we've often talked about with the dwemer if they just had these super um uh superpowers yeah. essentially and could just alter physics and do what they want then they would have just won in all cases which isn't true but it's a it's just a bit of a shame to think now that the nords don't really have that ability and it's such a special thing limited to a special few i mean there there is of course the whole idea of the dragonborn and whoever mm. the dragonborn sides with that that's massive if if dragonborn is a stormcloak asset then the stormcloaks can definitely stand their ground if it's an empire thing then the empire will win it is basically the tipping point I, I think considering all these circumstances like with this civil war there is no way the empire want to be fighting it 
they they don't want to make enemies of the Nords. They don't want to make enemies of the Red Guards. And I mean, in an ideal world, they wouldn't have kind of turned on the Empire for letting them down because at, at the end of the day, the Empire want to be able to stop the threat of the of the Old Merry Dominion, but they don't have the strength to do it currently. And really, the only reason they're really fighting against the Nords is because they have to. You know, the Falmor's not going to let them. Let you know. Oh, what you're just going to let Skyrim worship these gods that you've promised us you wouldn't let them worship, etc., etc. So they're kind of, yeah, their their hands are, are tied in this situation. And were they powerful enough to say no to the White Gold Concordat, then they would be fighting alongside the Red Guards and the Nords again to deal with the Old Merry Dominion because they're the great threat, not yeah. not any mm. of the others. Yeah, and I mean they were. Um... Mead was criticized for that, I think, by the Red Guards, who believed that, you know, if he'd just kept on trying, mm. they actually could have won without making that deal. I believe it, for yeah. sure. But but who knows? It's yeah, hard to make in the we moment, just, we just like, don't that judgment know. call, even. Like, even if, in retrospect, you could go, like, you know, oh, you know, even if you could go, yeah, you know, there's a pretty good chance they could have won. In the moment, it's hard. You don't have all that information. There's lots of stuff going on. You've just barely got back the Imperial City and there's this massive war going on. It's kind of like you've been asked... The, the Empire has been diminished greatly too. Like even all the blades having their heads, mm. you know, yeah, <laughs> overturned and all over the floor. Like their spy networks are destroyed. The Empire is in a precarious That's why position. That's Skyrim, the little symbol in the front, the little dragon symbols cracked and yeah, crumbling. It's a, it is a crumbling Empire. And I think... Because this is the thing. People often ask, what side are you on? Are you an Empire supporter, a Stormcloak supporter? And I just think, I don't know. I, I'm on the side of whatever character of build I'm playing is role-playing. I don't really have a, a side for me I'm because I don't live in the Elder Scrolls universe. But I think when I think about Elder Scrolls Six, you can think about what would make a better story. Um, and I think having the Stormcloaks gain more control could be more interesting. You've just got more um, factions and parties going on and new alliances that could be made between... Um, different groups but i'd be curious to hear what you two think do you think a storm cloak if they win um alliance with the empire is actually like possible i mean you were just I? murdering each other i know the enemy of my enemy is mm. um my friend but it's i don't know it's all very Would fresh I, I suppose it, sorry you go sorry i was just i was, I was gonna i just mean um i think that what's more likely is not an imperial thing if if i think if Solar Skyrim really does become completely Stormcloak controlled and independent that I think that High Rock would soon follow suit um, and would and follow just they've, they've cut off by land routes completely and I, I just feel like the sense of you know independence and stuff around and a weakening empire as well you no longer have like Nordic armies to call upon for your legions I feel like the empire would quickly be restricted to just Cyrodiil and I think if anything, you're more likely to get like a coalition of, of you know, the Skyrim and Hammerfell and perhaps High Rock Kingdoms looking after um, the, you know, men yeah. and whatnot. To add to that, I think the the Imperials almost need to be humbled a little bit and, and consider maybe, maybe it's time to have a kingdom and not have an empire. Maybe it's time to, you know, because they always do, as we've said before, they end up looking out for their own uh, own interests first and foremost. You know, the White, White Gold Concord, it was signed because they were in immediate danger, even though Skyrim, High Rock and Northern Hammerfell weren't in immediate danger. Um, so maybe if they weren't trying to impose their force on the other provinces, then they could be a kingdom and they can align now with the Red Guards, with the Bretons, with the Nords. And perhaps that's the best way forward. Maybe even, you might even have, uh, sort of what I was, I, I was trying to, I was mentioning it before, I forgot to bring it up, but like how the empire is also, is kind of like a, uh, an entity that's kind of above just nations because even, even with um, Cyrodiil itself, you've got all of these different counts and so on that, that have before functioned more as kings or so on and they've got mm. their own cultures and so on. And then if you've even got larger groupings such as like, you know, the Clovians versus Nibbanese and the Clovian estates before have literally been separate to the empire in the case of the times of, of, of the Elysian order. So, you know, maybe something like the Clovian estates seceding and something is very possible or, or, or likely, you know what mm. I mean? Like there's all yeah, kinds of Yeah, it cool is stuff. interesting. Not to be a fear monger, but um, if... Bethesda loves the Elder Scrolls Online so much. It would be very scary to think <laughs> if they were like, let's do Ebonheart Pact again <laughs> because the Dark Elves are kind of in the dark. Like, you know that they've obviously had all kinds of problems with the Argonians and the... Well, actually, there's why you definitely shouldn't do that. I don't think they'd be mm. allying with the Argonians anytime soon. Um, 
but yeah, yeah, who knows? I think I think something too important. I, like at least this is my take on it. Like one big take I think is that it is understandable and justifiable for someone to believe in either side. There are perspectives mm-hmm. and ways. It also depends on what you value. Like it's very easy to say, well, I don't care about religion, so therefore freedom of religion or being able to worship Talos or something isn't important. But you know, in in the same and there's plenty of ways to go back and forth on that. And also, just because you're part of one doesn't mean you're complicit in all of its of its um, behaviors or, or crimes or, or whatever. Uh, you and know? and that's a flaw of Ulfric's because he totally would disagree with you. Mm. Um, I think Ulfric sees his own weakness in surrendering that information in the Empire, and he hates that part of himself, and then therefore hates the Empire. You know how like you can. Mm. Do you, do you know For what I'm sure. talking about psychologically? Like he hates that weakness of bending to the Thalmor with the White Gold Concordat because it's a reflection of what yeah. he did on a deeper level. He did that. And therefore to compensate for that, it's almost as if he's being way more brutal than he needs to be because he never wants to be weak again, right? Mm. And so he, he goes and does the Markarth incident. And it's this could be Imperial propaganda because there's a text written by an Imperial scholar but it basically says, you know, Ulfric was saying, if you're not with us, you're against us. And he had everyone who didn't help him. Doesn't mean they helped the enemy, but didn't help him. Uh, Can I just also say, though, let's not pretend that the Imperials, the Empire doesn't do the exact same shit. <laughs> you know, they of would course, absolutely invade I'm... a territory. Are you going to are you going to bend the knee? Nope. Bye. Off with your head. Like, same deal. No, no, no. It was after he captured it. I'm saying, like, imagine you go in and capture a yeah. city. And then you have peaceful civilians there. It's like, you didn't help me. Shopkeepers. Yeah, the Empire, I, I would guarantee sword, absolutely the Empire has done very similar things and get rid of people that are undesirables. Because you're dealing with like the native population of Reachmen there that have forever been a problem for the Nords, right? And they've always mm. been fighting over it. When they come in, it's like, they want to get yeah, rid yeah. of the dissidents. Hey, not hey, justifying hey. it, but it's, it's yeah, most yeah. definitely... Let's, let's be real. We're all on the same so page me- that they're both it's, bad. My, my point is that like... Ulfric is incredibly brutal almost to a fault. I mean, it would be interesting if if he had actually tried to talk to Torig and, you know, ask for independence. But. I think anyway, a lot of the stuff with the with the actual debate, it's better to like, yes, the lead is important, but it's also like there are so many interests and like all of the up for example, the Stormcloak Rebellion is like led by Ulfric, but it is still in alliance with these other Yarls that are independent in their own right and rule their own Yaldoms, but they they are in alliance. What's going to happen is if he takes over Skyrim, then there is going to be a moot held where he's clearly going to be made king, but then he will become yeah. king of a land sovereign song. But he's, but, um, you know, in the same way that we don't, it, the morality, I guess, of, of Titus Mead doesn't reflect the entirety of the empire or whatever. Like we don't no, use that as I, the, the judgment because you'll go like, Ulfric's a, a racist, fanatical egomaniac. And then it's like, yeah, but like that doesn't immediately you know. Yeah, emperors can be like Ex- that too. Exactly. Of course. It's, um, um, I guess the difference is, from a practical perspective, I don't know if this is just vibe, but I can't imagine the Stormcloak cause doing as well without Ulfric to rally behind. Whereas I can see, you know, as canon, which it definitely or probably is, where the Dark Brotherhood murder the Emperor, um, I can see him being just replaced with a new Emperor, hmm. perhaps a better one. Hmm. Um, Whereas I can't see that the same, like, oh, Ulfric's dead. We all rally behind yeah, Galmar, for sure. Stone Fist. Like, he really is kind of, like, uh, very important to the cause, which makes the cause more vulnerable. Like I said, Tullius was there for three months. Yeah. Um, or a few months, whatever that means, and rounded up Ulfric and almost had him killed. Like, yeah. goodbye, leader of the cause, which kind of really holds mm. it together in terms of people's morale. Yeah, absolutely. Well, once... I, I, would th- I feel like it would be it would be different once if he succeeds in the rebellion, because then it's no longer a rebellion. He then, you know, they take over and then the king is elected and that king would be yeah. him. And then there would be like lineage and other kinds of things. Yeah, for sure. It's for sovereign sure. state. But like, that's the other thing too. I feel like people want to, you know, another part of the debate is, is, you know, the right to self-rule or like sovereignty or so on. Because like, obviously the Skyrim, Skyrim is, you know, they say like, it, they're, they're a vassal of the empire. And so the empire, you know, exercises 
power over them and says, you know, you guys come here and come fight for our land against the Thalmor or, or whatnot and so on. And that's just, and you know, part of the trade-off is, you know, you get the benefits of being in the empire and so on. But then when they are undermined by that very same empire, you can see people's grievances. And that's why I think it's very like, and it's why it's fun to come out from a role-playing perspective. It's like, who are you in the world? Like, it's very hard to see if, if you, you weren't, you know, if you were a Nord and, you know, you'd had people taken by the by the Thalmor or you've even like you know you you were a veteran of the great war and you gave all of this only for them to turn your back on you you can absolutely see how their their like plight is sympathetic and so on but also in the same way mm. you can absolutely see the same thing from um from the empire's perspective you know it's not I just think people reduce it to such a there's there's one or the other the good or bad it's like it's really complex and you're dealing with like you know Fan, a, a fantasy world in where it's all kings and barons and so on it's so far removed from our you know concept. yeah exactly it's it's hard not to like turn all fantasy to like to make it allegorical and like oh you know you've got these blonde haired blue eyed ones you know who you know they're racist yeah we don't like them but you know a different group looking out for their own interests and that's fine it's like everyone in this situation is looking out for their own interests and if anything like really at the end of the day it's not it's not imperials versus stormcloaks it's falmore versus stormcloaks essentially you know it's like imperials are just there because they're the puppet they've got no power they're being their hands are being forced and at the end of the day everyone really should be turning their attention on the real problem well that's the thing like the thalmor like indisputably it's kind of like you know if the thalmor get in they are they are probably the worst of all on the closest to moral evil like i mean even amongst their own kind they have these strict caste structures and they their whole religion and faith and culture is based on a, on a structure of like betters and lessers and that's how they you know formed their very own pantheon it's only the um the mm. the ancestors worshiping the ancestors of their betters like so and, you know, even in Valenwood and so on, they carry out, like, like cleansings of, like, you know, Bosma that they see in Zedfiria or who aren't politically aligned with them. Oh, it's yeah. like, and, but... They're the most discriminatory group. But, that, well, maybe not the most, but almost but the, most the empire, of all of the empire's capitulated to them um, in both the outlawing of Talos and the allowing of, of um, Thalmor to just um, to police their own lands um, in order to keep in line with that agreement. And well, it's that... You, you One thing to think about... So, uh, is that okay? I was just go. wanted to finish there. It's just that you could um, potentially you could you could make the argument that that kind of Thalmor encroachment will only get worse and and mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. you know intertwined with imperial politics and that's and you know you could argue it's like well then yeah you'd absolutely want to be free of them you could argue that now yeah. but you know for sure and I mean that that's also I was going to say a spy network for the Thalmor mm. I mean like think you you know you talk about oh the Nords have the um, the kind of home ground advantage or the home field advantage. But the Thalmor have been there for a very long time walking around, you know, getting, looking over it all. And they, they would know all the land. They've got outposts, you know, up north and near Solitude and, and all kinds of things. And I mean, you even see their spy network being used like uh, with Malborn and the Khajiit assassins mm. sent to like take him out and you have to rescue him. Um, and that's that Khajiit is out near Windhelm. Like they're, you know, mm. they've got they've got Skyrim on lock in in a, and in a sense. Not to mention that every Falmor person you talk to is absolutely insufferable. Like just mm. talk to Ancano <laughs> once, and I think the moral of this story and what we can all agree on is whether you whether your characters tend to join the Imperial Legion or whether they join the Stormcloaks. We just hate. We just hate the Falmore, don't we? At the end of the day, we all agree on that. Yeah. It's But then you could even get into why the Thalmora um being angry can Yeah, be well I mean if, like if I were a high elf, be justified if I were too. a high elf and you know, say you've been around for hundreds of years and your grandparents were around when the Numidium destroyed your homeland, mm. um, you'd probably uh not be a but super fond of type septum so it, yeah. it just goes round and round it's always I, I, the strong ones it's all, it's all perspective it all comes back to perspective it does guys. because some of them like obviously a thalmor's is all rooted in in like what is essentially like mythology or theology to them or whatever but it's a more of a spiritual argument they justified hatred against the races of man being like the weakest souls yada yada whereas I feel like what we tend to do and probably should do is, is, is exist more in the realm of material and like actions and things that are like happening more so rather than like the sort of out there things. So, you know, what 
what the yeah. implications. I mean, I suppose that. the difference in the Elder Scrolls world is that all that stuff's but real. it's not necessarily true their version of events they're they're just no, that's course, the problem like their justification is that you know we were locked up from um in mortal flesh bound by Lorcan, and Lorcan gathered his armies yeah, of weaker yeah. souls which he called men to fight against us and this is why we're better than them and then they started worshiping only their greatest ancestors and that justifies their caste and all that kind of stuff yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. that is purely a religious kind of thing perspective it's not 100 percent confirmed truth and in contrast to you know men that believe they were created by gods and 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 you know they enjoy mortality and so on so but whereas when it becomes something more material and grounded we can talk about like you know whether it's just like you know are, are the are the nords being like racist and so on um you know are there you know, well, not the nords broadly the stormcloaks it's more like even more so i guess it's fairer to say even windhelm like at least mm. with the Argonians, a great quarter. It's a very Windhelm, a greater, you know, specific problem. But that's also like, you know, let's not pretend Nords in other areas can't be, um, you know, um, racist or discriminatory. On, and, you know, then you, you bring in all discriminations of, of, of like, of, reli- of um, religion and freedom of religion and stuff as well. And hey, uh, a wise Argonian once said, why do Khajiit lick their butts? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that... <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like this guy... No, I just yeah. mean in the sense that this stuff is everywhere. Yeah, yeah show us a perfectly Darji. pure... I think it was in his name, Darji. <laughs> show us a perfectly pure was... group or race or anything in the Elder Scrolls and, you know, we'll support them, but there's there none exist. Yeah, there's no, there's no moral arbiters in the Elder Scrolls. I mean, look at the Empire. They came in Morrowind and then they're like, you know what, let's sign a deal. We'll get the Numidium and you can keep your slavery and so on with no regard for it. They're like, whatever. They're obviously <laughs> yeah. not, you know, it, it's all incentives and perspectives and interests and so on that, that all vary greatly. But um, yeah, it's... Yeah. it's yeah, it's a hard it's a hard one to talk about, but I, I I do think generally the discussion there is this sort of very non-critical view of the empire, which I think there should be more of. Um, mm. I think to be honest though, because uh, there was a person there, there was TJ Supertramp who says I'd love to hear your honest to goodness opinions on which side you'd each take in analysis, yada yada. It, but basically explaining like what we would actually take, and I think. Um, Obviously, this largely depends on perspective or so on. But let's assume you're even a Nord and you're a Nord in Skyrim. Like me, personally, I think I'd probably be pro-Empire because I'd enjoy a larger trade network. I'd la- I'd rather like, let's not have a civil war. Can we just have peace? Like, oh, chill and so on. And me, personally, I'm not religious, so it might not play... But arguably, if I was in the Elder Scrolls universe, perhaps that might be more important and so on. But like, I don't think I'd want to join a rebellion who's already it's i guess it's already risky chances to fight against an empire or so on and go off and die you know i'd rather sit there with a law book and uh, yeah and write tomes and stuff i pretty much agree exactly with that like if i was being completely honest i'd be a conscientious objector and just (laughs) i'd be too but basically because i'd be too much of a cow and like i'm not gonna die for a cause (laughs) maybe maybe you'd maybe you'd feel different if your family was like just you know killed for being talos worshippers by but that's the, that that's why i find these questions a bit difficult to answer because you are in you're going imagine if you were a nord but then you're not like you're just no, putting you're yourself a nord. in there there's yeah. plenty of nord or you're born a nord but your life experiences so far seem to feel like they're just the ones that you've had already like they're not like the skyrim life experience like having your family murdered yeah yeah of, but that's not um the that's Empire not all of them like, like half that. of the because half course. of skyrim like the whole western side is completely yeah. um I, I just feel like the, like I said before, it's nothing is certain and the Stormcloaks absolutely have a case. Um, but from all the research I've done, I feel like the, the chances of beating the, the Thalmor, at least to me, weigh slightly more towards the Empire. Mm. And so I feel like I would be more like the Rike type, mm. um, who's like, you know, you can be a proud Nord, but... I still think the Empire has the best chance of getting us out of this. And I've fought alongside Ulfric and now he's become this kind of like, you know, egomaniac type and it's not the kind of Skyrim that I want. Yeah. yeah. But, well, you, but then, you know and then, how, then, then, oh, sorry, go. Oh, just because you know how in Season Unending you can like, you can send, you can send, what's her name? Uh, Ellen, wait, what's the Falmer agent's name? Ellen. Ellen, Ellen Wood, yeah. Okay, yeah. You can send her away. Like ideally, if I were in that position to make that decision, I'd send her away try to get them to be like look 
we're all here. You're both pretty powerful. Let's shake hands, turn our attention, uh, yeah. kill her immediately. Let's do that now. And then, you know, that, that's, a, that's the ideal circumstance. But see, this is another thing, I, I guess, if you want to expand a tiny bit further, is that I, I don't think there is a, uh, as much as, for example, I don't think that they would allow Eastern Skyrim to secede. Like, imagine if that was a possibility. Okay, okay, you four Eastern Holds, you're not part of the Empire, but you can't come and, like, you know, uh, attack the other uh, Holds and have them, um, you know, secede. But I don't think the Empire wants that. They're like, hell no, the, you know, you're not seceding at all. Mm. So I don't think they'd ever come to that sort of um, agreement, which is, you know, interesting because perhaps that... I, and, you know, like we've sort of talked about, I think season unending is a sort of more interesting um, political layout just for like story reasons. But, you know, then the Empire still got, if the Empire still has Solitude and Whiterun and, and all of that, and then well, the Stormcloaks. Say and- the Empire just suddenly said right now, you know, like during the, the midst of the Civil War, mm. we're going to let you worship Talos. Would that, do you think that would be enough to de escalate everything and bring Stormcloaks would- around? I think that would de-escalate a lot. Like, you you might sort of see things like, you know, maybe Ulfric might even throw some shade being like, you know, this has happened before or whatever, and they might not trust it immediately or so on. But, like, I feel like he would be... That generally, the, the people would be not, you know, emboldened to fight against mm. their brothers and sisters if they can actually... Well, then you, you know, maybe wouldn't have to worry about parts of Skyrim seceding from the Empire. Maybe you'd have... You know that that whole crisis would be averted simply by giving back Talos worship and yeah. and pushing out the justicias. Because I think amongst the, I think the big thing amongst the populace really is is like how is like being in the Empire infringing on their you know, you know rights or whatever. It's it's basically the Talos thing. But outside of that, the whole idea of the sort of vague kind of like, you know, return to sort of true ways, true Nord. We need a strong king kind of stuff. Only works on top of the Talos stuff mm-hmm. for the most popular, I think. Otherwise, I think they'd be... Because they still have their high king, you know, but before mm. all of the problems arose, even if they were a very imperialized culture. Yeah. But, yeah. Hmm. That's the thing. It would be more epic if they weren't so imperialized mm. by the time of Skyrim. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it just feels weird when they're fighting for our old traditions and it's like the only guy you meet who is is like um you know the kind quest and he's like in the is it froki's shack yeah and it's like there should have been 20 times more people like him it's it's funny though in in some ways it it's like not like not desirable but like and you know it is a cop-out post because they didn't they weren't going to um implement it but imperialization um does make a it's an interesting case that like you know how like all like religions and cultures and stuff developed and people kind of like cherry pick the things they want it's like i want the ancient custom to duel and so on and this is what makes a true nord yeah. but like not the rest of it and mm-hmm. so on but um did you guys have any other areas to talk about in particular or like i'm sure that we're going to be told there's things we missed oh there are like we could easily part two this stuff i mean Make, like, you know, you, you know, maybe also, that is a good idea. Sorry to interrupt. I just... The, yeah, yeah, like reflect and then part yeah, two. Yeah, because then people like add in and we can respond to some people's like comments and stuff and sort of think about them more. And could um, talk about like mm. the further ramifications mm. after the re- the resolution of the conflict, depending on who wins. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I was even going to say just to add about Tullius. Um, he is doesn't seem to care that much about the Nords. And I suppose that's another feeling that you would have. Like he cares about Skyrim in general, but I mean, like just to quote, and it's good that he has Rike there to kind of guide him. And again, I know he hasn't been there for long, but I mean, here are some quotes when he's like, you Nords and your bloody sense of honor. Or like, <laughs> you know, um, he, he has these kinds of things. There's a few quotes like that. Or don't you Nords put any stock in your own traditions? Um, that's ironic. Like, well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. He was talking about the jagged crown with that one. Um, I'm just looking at such a huge page of quotes and I can't find the ones I want. But he has that general For attitude sure. of like the Nord's traditions or oh, this annoyance I have to deal with. Um, or like, ah, oh, couldn't you just... Couldn't you just bow down? <laughs> like that? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, some sometimes, but in other ways, he's also very competent. So, mm. and that's the perfect thing. It's this bunch of flawed characters flawed ideologies 
flawed kind of macro situations with the great war and the outcomes mm. um there's no clear-cut answers to this yeah. like some people believe and that's what we love about the elder scrolls world is that there is so much interpretation to be done because yeah you, you it's hard you can't everyone sort of has this sort of holier than now like up in the sky like completely disconnected from perspective sort of view of things but that's yeah, not like, a real yeah. re, you know a real account one um actually ex one extra question um someone asked on twitter um but whether we think and i think this is important for the future discussion but whether we think the empire is the same entity that tiber septum founded um i'd probably uh, like me personally i'd probably argue closer to no like i don't mm. think uh that that's why i said what would he think before yeah like, what would he think of the empire today like is it his empire well anymore. i'd say i'd say no because it's not related to the dynasty but e even like i mean there's even arguable things how the septum dynasty doesn't even descend from tiber septum it's actually descends from tiber septum's brother via his uh niece um but that because the line gets basically broken at pelagius when he gets assassinated by the dark brotherhood but uh, early in the third era but um one thing to sort of uh think about is you know he, there is no sort of religious element to your justification as emperor like a lot of like you know before you were ordained by the gods you know the, the impact with akatosh you've got dragon blood you are ordained by the gods so even the septums that did come after they were like blessed or whatever with the dragon blood to continue where they could wear the amulet of kings but there is no such sort of religious kind of divine justification either for the mid, mid dynasty it may as well just be as good as any other king or, or other organization how about the dragonborn becomes emperor mm. yeah <laughs> it's good <laughs> yeah the only way that the only reason I guess that wouldn't work is just because of all the races everyone's picked. It's like you, this, <laughs> it's it's all, yeah, we it, don't know what race the emperor is, but he's going to be important for the story going it's, forward. It's also kind of funny too, but everyone generally is very opposed to the idea that might makes right, and then whatever you should, you know, only the mightiest should rule and so on. But then when it comes to the last dragonborn, they're like, oh well, he's really powerful, and you know, he's yeah, dragonborn. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. he should rule. What does he know about ruling shit? You know what I mean? Or he he or she like exactly it's like absolutely absolutely but i mean it is it's, it's the same thing it is what it it's is it's like I, I think what a help is for people to try and like you know get down to like the some sort of something consistent sort of criticism or application. put yourself in other people's yeah. shoes and then try and build a con a coherent philosophy around it mm. that doesn't have holes in it looking at all the different things because yeah totally agree people jump from Oh, Empire's bad because this, and the Stormcloaks yeah. do the same thing. Stormcloaks bad because this Empire does the same thing. Yeah, it's literally it's like you know imperialism and like colonialism. This is all really really terrible. But oh, but I love it when the Septim Empire does it. <laughs> oh, but, but 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 if the Empire from Star Wars does it, it's bad. It's bad. Like it's like you just pick and choose your Empire depending on who you're told to like. Well, it depends what music's yeah. playing in the background. Yeah. If it's yeah, exactly. Then they're bad. But if you want to take, like, you need to be critical of it all and, like, to really get, you know, yeah. a good perspective. All right. That sums yeah. it up pretty well. Wow. Yeah, definitely get down into the comments and, like, you know, respond to some of our takes and, and, and all of that kind of stuff and just some extra points that we haven't talked about because I reckon a part two could be really good responding more specifically to your guys' Absolutely. comments and we can explore yeah. those ideas more and so on. But Yeah. yeah. All right, well, social media links down in the description as a link to our Patreon and our merch if you want to help support the channel. And we look forward to nerding out with you all again very soon.